and in all of this church, you know, the only thing, the only thing negative about our church is that the enemy is on the attack. And that isn't a negative, really, because that's a good sign. We're doing the things better that leave us alone. But it's negative for people who succumb to it, who let themselves get affected by it. And the enemy always attacks with individuals. Always starts with a person. Never, he never has a committee. He always starts with one. What you and I have to be careful about is that we don't allow that person that he starts with, has any success with, to be you or me. That's what we have to be careful about. And we can have victory over that if we'll follow God's Word and live according to the Spirit. Live in submission to Him and to the body of Christ. It's important that we recognize our place in the body. Because when you don't recognize your place in the body, and you're an I, you get all upset when you can't be a mouth. I preached on this two weeks ago. And somebody said, well, why are you preaching it again? Because I don't think anybody listened to me. Like the preacher said, when they asked him why you keep preaching the same sermon, at Sunday after Sunday, they came to him and said, when are you going to preach a new sermon? He said, just as soon as I see you doing what I've already preached. That may be what I'm, what I'm doing. No, I think you're hearing it. But I, I want to emphasize how, how valuable that is. And I'm talking about something in, in that vein, that same line today, because all the scriptures connected. Every sermon that you preach, whatever title you put in, whatever your subject is, is all connected because all the Word of God comes together and connects to makes a message that is effective for our lives. And if you will hear the Word of God, and I don't say this to minimize any other part of worship. Everything we do in our worship service is important and valuable and spiritual, or we wouldn't be doing it. But the most important thing that will ever be a part of your life on a day-to-day basis is the Word of God and your receptivity of God's Word. The Holy Spirit will work through His Word, and He'll never work contrary to His Word. It's so important that you allow the Word of God to speak to you, because the message of God for you is in His Word, and the Holy Spirit will bring that alive in your understanding and in your own spirit. But today, I'm going to preach to you a message that I have called Holding on and turning loose. Seems contradictory. Hold on and turn loose. I remember in the old days when people would get at the altar and start seeking God. They really would be seeking God. And there hadn't been a lot of training or teaching about it. And there'd be altar workers down helping them seek the Lord. And somebody on one side would be saying, Turn loose, brother, just turn loose. Turn loose and let God have his way. And on the other side, somebody said, Hold on, hold on, hold on, don't give up. So the person that was praying didn't know which way to do. He didn't know whether to turn loose or hold on. But it didn't matter because God blessed in the middle of all that. And in spite of all that, God poured out his spirit anyway. I tell people the way I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not the way to receive. So I don't talk about it much because 
I don't want to misguide people. The way I receive the Holy Spirit is not the way to do it. Well, sometimes God will do something and help you and bless you even if you don't know what you're doing. As long as your heart's sincere and you really want to do what God wants you to do. So I was seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and that's exactly what was happening to me in the beginning of that time. I'd go to the altar, and I'd pray, and, ask, and, and people would get on each side of me, and one would say one thing, one said another, and I, I didn't know which one to listen to because I didn't know which was right. I didn't know what was right. I just all knew what people were saying to me. But after a while, God came through, gave me what I was seeking for, and satisfied my heart anyway. And that's what God will do. If you're sincere and if you really want God's Word, God's plan, and you're in accord with God's Word, hunger for God is always a part of God's plan for you. Your desire to draw closer to Him, to hold on to the things of God, is always God's plan for you. I'm going to give you several scriptures this morning. You won't have time to turn to them and read them. But you can write them down if you want to. I'm saying this so if you want to pull out a pencil and paper, something to write on right now, you can write these down. Or if you don't get a chance to write them down, you can call the office tomorrow and ask us to send you a copy of them, and they'll be available for you to do that. It's just a series of Scripture verses that have to do with what I'm talking about today. So this is the foundation, the scriptural foundation of what I'm going to preach to you this morning. Starting, first of all, the First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, where the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches at Thessalonica, and said to them, test everything. That means spiritually test what comes to you to see that it is a true according to God's word. Test everything and hold fast what is good. Hold fast what is good. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be upon the words that are spoken today that are true to this revelation that we call the Bible, that are true to the revealed Word of God. And in every way, may the Holy Spirit quicken your Word to our hearts and our lives so that our understanding will increase and that we will grow in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. That was 1 Thessalonians 5.21. This is 1 Thessalonians 2.15. It says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught. Hold fast to the truth that you've been taught. Just because truth has been said over and over and over doesn't mean that it's any less valuable the, multipl the multiplicity of times you say it. Sometimes that just validates that it is actually the revelation of God for us or for you. 2 Timothy 1.13, Paul's writing to a young man who was a minister, but in his youth he says to him, Hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard from me. And in Titus, this is what the word says, that we are to hold fast, I'm sorry, Titus chapter 1 verse 9, we're to hold fast the faithful word that has been taught so that by sound doctrine we'll be able to exhort and convince others. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, where Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are. We are the house that Christ is over, the writer is saying. If we're that house, if we hold fast,
confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. The rejoicing of the hope comes in the holding fast to the end or holding firm and not turning loose. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then, this is a wonderful verse of scripture, a good scripture verse to memorize. Seeing then, we have a high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Let us hold fast to the truth that's been revealed and that we've claimed and built our lives upon. Don't let it go. Jesus, our high priest in heaven, is confirming and validating that every day. Hold fast to the truth that we've been given. And then in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Hold on. Hold on. Without wavering. Never quiver. Never shake. Never be uncertain. Hold fast to the truth that God has revealed in your life. Now these verses of Scripture, and they're, they're abundant. I didn't use all of them. They're abundant times. But it tells us that there's something we have to do in the Christian life. We have to stabilize. In the work of the Holy Spirit within us, we have to stabilize our lives in the Word of God. And we do that by holding fast to His truth holding fast to what he's given to us. If you believe the scripture which was true yesterday, that same scripture is true today. And it will be true tomorrow and the day after and on and on until Jesus comes and through eternity. The word of God doesn't change. We can hold fast to it with confidence, knowing that we're holding on to an anchor that cannot be moved. We're holding to a foundation that cannot be shaken. And we have to hold to it by our faith and by our, the tenacity of our own will that God has firmed up within us by His Holy Spirit. We're to hold fast to the truth that's been revealed to us. There certainly are times to turn loose. That's why I titled the message, Holding On and Turning Loose. But right now I want to talk to you about holding on. Later on in a few minutes I'll talk to you a little bit about turning loose. But more about holding on, because there are a lot of people that turn loose. We want more people that will hold on. Just, it's a matter of choosing which things to hold on to. And I've already said it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And the things that we have to turn loose of. We have the things we have to let go. If we get our balance right and we know right what we know what we have to hold on to and what we have to turn loose, we can live in the center stream of God's blessing, under the power of, God, of God's anointing, God's help and God's guidance every day, every hour, every moment of our lives, if we'll do that. So we have to decide which things to hold on to and the things that we need to turn loose. We have to hold We have to have a perseverance in this holding on. You must not quit in the Christian life. Uh, this is so important to say because so many people have done it. So many people have quit. So many people have turned around. So many people have given up and decided whatever has affected their thinking and corrupted their thinking decided it isn't the right way to go. I knew a preacher one time 
who decided, and he certainly didn't decide and say, I've decided not to serve God. But he started moving in the wrong direction. One of the first things he said, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but in uh, the, most organizations, and this is certainly true in the Assemblies of God, and in the organization that most of us came out of, if it became something else, the preachers have to pay their tithe to a different place than to the church. That's the way the Assemblies of God operates, you know. What I do is I put my tithe in the church because I believe that's the proper way, no matter what they tell me in the upper levels is the proper way. I put it in the church. But then the business administrator of the church sends the part of my tithe that I'm required to send to the district to them. That's to keep it all things righteous and all things in conformity and to do what those above us instruct us to do. So that's what we do. But this preacher said, I've looked at how much I've been giving to this organization, and I've decided this is a club that's more expensive than I want to be in. I can't afford to be in a club this expensive. <laughs> now, you wouldn't expect to hear that from a preacher, but he, I heard him say that. And I'm thinking, I didn't chastise him. I didn't need to. He wasn't asking me for my opinion. He was just telling me and telling others. So I didn't answer it. But my answer to it is, this is the cheapest club that you can be in when you realize the benefits that you get for what you give. This is the best bargain going. I'm talking about living for God and giving to God and following His Word and doing what His Word instructs us to give about everything, including giving. So we've got to hold on and never quit and make sure we're holding on to the right thing because there are a lot of people who are still holding on and they won't let go, but they're holding on to the wrong thing. There's no victory in that. You've got to have enough spiritual perception and spiritual discernment to be sure that you're holding on to the right thing, holding on to truth and not to fallacy, not to false teaching, but to the true teaching of God's Word. We try to make it simple here. that We, we don't deal in a lot of eschatology. I'm not trying to help you understand what's going to happen when the third candle of the second seal is released and the fumes start to come out. I'm not trying to help you understand that. First of all, because it doesn't matter. If it, I, it, it, I'm not saying that prophecy is not important. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying when you, when you want to get down to the detail of understanding everything, I know people who, when it, shortly after they get saved, they come to me and ask me questions about the book of Ezekiel. Why in the world is somebody who's been saved three months, four months, six months, or six months, why are you reading the book of Ezekiel? Why aren't you reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And then maybe the book of Acts, and perhaps on over that after that, you need to read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. But wait a while before you get into Ezekiel. You don't even know who Ezekiel is. Most of us didn't know that there was a book of Ezekiel. There he is. And somebody found it and started to read it. They want to understand, they want to understand all of these things that really are not essential to your becoming grounded in your faith. And a lot of us who have been around working on this life for a long time are guilty of the same thing. We get bound up in the minutiae of one of these verses. And then we want to have a whole meeting about it, have a committee on it, have a discussion about it, and start a doctrine over it. 
We need to take the basic truth of God's Word that the revelation of the Holy Spirit has given us and stand on it, preach it, teach it, believe it, hold to it, and not worry about finding something new two weeks from now because what we've been preaching all this time still holds good and still is true. I was was the pastor of a church in North Carolina for several years a while back. And uh, shortly after I got there, the Spirit of the Lord started to move, and people were really getting blessed. People were getting saved, and new families came into the church. One of the families that came in, actually it was a mother and her daughters who were still living at home who came into the church. The, the husband didn't come in, but he knew about me because he had met me as I'd been to the house, and we had spoken on several occasions. And so one evening... My doorbell rang. I went to the door, and there was Jim standing at the door. That was really his name. Because if your name's Jim, I don't want to think you. I picked you out. His name was Jim. And he said, Preacher, can I, and this is about the way, can I come in? So I knew right away. I didn't have to wait till the odor came in. I knew when I observed him and heard him, he was a little bit on the tipsy side. But I invited him in. He came in and sat down. He said, Preacher, I came to talk to you about something I think you need to know. I don't come to church with my wife and daughters. You know that. Yeah, I I do that for sure. And he said, I just want you to know why I don't come here. And I came to tell you why I don't come here. I want you to understand. I want you to know about me. He said a lot more than I'm saying right now, but this was the gist of it. I want you to know why I don't come to church here. And this is the reason. He's talking in his kind of slurred way, and and, uh, the more he breathed on me, the the more I started this way. (laughs) Preacher, I want you to know why I don't come here. And here's the reason, preacher, because I'm a Baptist. I said, well, God bless you, Jim. Bless your Baptist. That's a good good thing to be, a good faith to have. I'm a Baptist, he said. He didn't listen to what I was saying. I'm a Baptist. And I want you to know, I read, my Bible says, when you find a good thing, this is the way it is. When you find a good thing, hold on to it. And I'm holding on. <laughs> and this is a totally true story. I said, well, God bless you, brother. God, thank you. That's what you need to do. Hold on to it. What am I going to say? I'm not going to have a conversation about getting saved and what to do with somebody. That I... But I will give you the good side of that. It was a while later. It was a few years later, in fact. That man came to the altar of that church gave his heart to Jesus. One day I'm going to preach about that family. I could tell you things about it. Anyway, another another time, another day. So Jim got saved, but before that he decided he was going to hold on to what he was. What he was holding on to, sadly, was the wrong thing. Not being a Baptist, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the lifestyle that he was exhibiting as he sat right there in the chair in my living room telling me all of this. 
He was holding on to, he wasn't holding on to the right thing. He was holding on, but holding on to the wrong thing. And that was a life that was away from God. But God worked on that as he will in so many of us when we let things happen. God will move and God brought him to the cross and brought him to salvation. He's died now, but thank God the story I told about him is not the final testimony. He went to heaven to be with Jesus because he gave his heart to God. So holding on requires us to be holding on to the right thing if we're going to get to the right destination. So holding on requires faith and hope. It requires determination, faith, hope, determination. You have to make up your mind, I'm going to hold on and I will not let go. I will stand my ground where it is right for me to stand. That's determination. This is what Galatians says about it. I preached on this verse just a few weeks ago. Maybe it's been two or three months now. And I call that we are the reapers. This is what Galatians says. 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not faint, if we do not give up, if we do not falter. If we hold on, if we don't quit, if we don't give up, if we don't faint, if we hold on, we will reap in due season. We'll reap the harvest of a faithful Christian life. And that's God's goal for every single one of us. And we ought to be in harmony with that goal for us. I will stand my ground. I heard this on a song yesterday. I think this is what I heard. If it isn't, it's good and I like it anyway. I will stand my ground where hope can be found. That's a place to stand where the hope we preached about hope several times recently in our church. You should have a grasp of it by now. I will stand my ground where hope can be found. Sometimes you may be holding on for someone else. That isn't a bad thing. If you hold on for somebody else until they get a grip, until they get a grasp of everything themselves and are holding steady. You're holding on for somebody else. And that other person often is very glad that you're holding on for them. Remember when Paul was first converted and he gave his heart to Christ and the miracle experience that he had? He, he went on into Damascus from there. But when he got into Damascus, instead of persecuting the Christians and arresting them and challenging them for their faith, he began to preach Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God and the resurrected Messiah. When he began to preach that, he, a lot of folks who expected him to come there to, to arrest Christians and throw them in jail and persecute them. Now he's preaching the value of Jesus Christ as the Savior. And in doing that, he made a lot of quick enemies. In fact, the Bible says that they put together a plot. The Jews that he thought, that thought they were on, he was on their side put together a plot to kill him. All of this is in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. So when he put together a plot to kill him, he heard about the plot and knew that he better get out of town fast. So he did. But they had people guarding all of the entrance and the exits of the gates of the city of Damascus. So there was no way he could get out without being recognized because there were people positioned there to call for help, to, to, to grab him and to, and to kill him. So the believers devised the plan. They took him to a part of the wall that wouldn't be noticed, put him in a basket, and let him down over the wall. 
I can't imagine any other way they let him down or one other than tying ropes to the basket and letting him down gradually. The Bible doesn't say any ropes were involved, but it does say they let him down over the wall. It was a high wall. I know they had to have something to hold on to to let him go down. And my point to you is they were holding on to something to get Paul down to safety on the ground, holding on to the ropes that they had tied to the baskets until they lowered him down. He got to the ground, got out of the basket, and escaped with his life and went from Damascus to Jerusalem where he continued to preach the message of Jesus Christ. Those people who were holding the rope for him we're doing a great, great service and a great ministry. Because if Paul had been killed in the city of Damascus right after he was saved, look at all we would have missed in the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the writings of the New Testament, where the Holy Spirit made clear, manifestly clear, what the message of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to the world is, primarily through the teaching and preaching and the writings of the Apostle Paul. Those people who held on in his behalf performed a great ministry. They were the Aaron and Hur of their days. They were the ones who decided to stand beside him and hold on and help him and to cause him to be able to find a way to get to where he needed to be to continue to teach and preach the message of the gospel that had been revealed to him on the Damascus Road. But sometimes we're holding on for somebody else. It's a faithful ministry to do that when God has called us. You need to hold on, hold on for those of your family who haven't been saved. You need to hold on for those of your friends who need still to come to Christ. You need to hold on for those of Christians who are wavering and faltering and need to be stabilized in the rock of Jesus Christ in the kingdom. You need to hold on because if you let go, there may be nobody else to hold the rope. It may be on you to do that. You can't give up that calling. You can't quit wherever God has put you. If he's given you that tenacity to hold on, don't let go until the work is finished. And then sometimes you're just, you're just holding on for yourself. How, how many times have you heard it said or said it yourself? And somebody said, how are you doing? I'm holding on. I'm holding on. It may be that you can have a greater victory than just holding on, but I will tell you, you can't have a victory unless you are holding on. You may have said, well, I'm holding on by the skin of my nails, barely holding on. It doesn't have to be that way. But if it is, as long as you're still holding on, Get stronger, firmer in the, in, in the gospel of Christ, which enables you to have a solid, solid position. Not scraping down the walls and barely trying to climb back up again, but get hold of something in the word of God that you know is real for you and revealed by the Holy Spirit for your life. And hold on to it and don't let go. Don't let go. I heard this said a long time ago. When you feel like you've come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. So if you feel like you're almost at the end of your rope, it's about to slip out of your hands and you're about to fall with the rope.
hope slipping out of you. Just tying up. Hold on by faith. Don't let go. Don't give up. And realize that the Lord Jesus is always, always going to come to your rescue. He's never going to let you go. When you're holding on to him, he's trying to hold on to you even more. I believe this is, I, I believe a person can fall away from God. I can't read the scriptures and not believe that. I believe you have to stay with the Lord and hold on to him all the way through the journey to the very end. But I will tell you this, I believe that it is a difficult thing to walk away from God. The more you've walked with him, I believe the more difficult it is to walk away from him. Because when you think you're trying to hold on, he's holding on to you even more tightly than you're holding on to him. He has never let you go. You talk about holding on. There's a grip of God. I've preached on this. In the grip of God. There's a grip of God. A holding on to of your life. A holding on to of you. That he will not, he does not want to let you go. You can continue and continue and continue until you pull yourself away. But it is a, I, I believe it may seem like a simple thing. It's simple to become negligent. It's simple to become indifferent. But to really fall away from God, you have to pull yourself away from the truth of God as he keeps trying to hold you to it. You need to realize that as you're holding on to the Lord even more firmly, even more strongly, He's got you in his grip, and he is holding on to you. And he's not going to let you go. Hallelujah. Well, let me tell to you about sometimes there are things that you have to let go. Holding on and turning loose. Because there are some things that you don't want to hold on to. All that I'm talking about holding on to, I'm talking about holding on to truth. Holding on to the Lord. Holding on to the revelation that he's put in your life, the experience that he's given you. But then there are some things where you just need to turn loose. Because if you turn loose some things, you'll be able to better and more firmly hold on to the right things. So some things in your life, it's time for you to turn your back on and let them go. And realize that here's an answer for me. My first answer is yes to hold on to the Lord. But let go of the things that come between him and me. I need to turn loose of the things in my life that do not glorify and honor him. Don't hold on when you need to turn loose. When you need to turn loose. When the right thing to do is to turn loose, don't hold on to the wrong things. We used to sing a little song a long time ago. There's a little chorus that said, let go and let God have his wonderful way. Let go and let God have his way. Your shadows will vanish, your night turn to day when you let go and let God have his way. I believe that's true today. The things you, sometimes you just need to let go of everything else, hold on to God and let him have his way. That's what God's speaking to you about today. Some of you here in this place right now, God is speaking to you about that very thing about things that you need to let go in your life, things that you need to turn loose in your life. And right now, you know what some of those things are. You may not be thinking about all of them, but many of you are thinking about something right now or some things right now that you need to turn loose in your life. You need to let them go. Better leave me a part of your life and bring no honor to 
God. They bring no harmony to your life. They bring no victory to you. You need to turn loose and let them go. Whether it's a habit that is snatched onto you and put a chain around you, a habit could be any kind of thing that's detrimental and harmful and pulls you down. Some habits can be good. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with some habits. But some of the things that are habitual with you, you need to get rid of. You need to turn them loose. You need to walk away from them. And it could be something as simple as the words of your mouth, or it could be something as simple as the hatred of your heart. I shouldn't call the latter things simple. That, is, that isn't simple. That's more complicated. But in any event, you need to turn loose those things that are spiritually harmful to you. And you know what they are. You know what you need to change. You know the things you need to turn loose to get rid of. If you're, if you're addicted to any of these things. Some people, some people, their problem is they're offended. Always getting offended about something. Some people, they're just, they, they, they just are afflicted with doubt and unbelief. You keep, they, you keep building up their faith, and the next thing you know, they believe the slightest little thing that's detrimental to it, and they are brought down again. You have to firm up, give up your doubts and unbelief, and hold on to your faith. They're habits that hinder. Everybody has some of them, but some of them are worse than us. Some of the habits that really, really are troublesome in a spiritual life. For example... There are people who are always, once they get over one offense, they barely get over one offense, and I don't think they really get over it, because the next thing you know, another one rises up. Somebody says something, somebody does something, they either misunderstand it or misconstrue it, or don't like the way it was said, or don't like who said it, or don't like what they said, or what it just it's always something. There's always there are some people who are always offended. You know them in your family. You may not know them in the church. You know people in your family that are just like that. God bless you if you don't have anybody like that in your family. Because if you do, you've got to be on the telephone all the time. Oh, I didn't mean that. Oh, that wasn't what I meant. Oh, well, you misunderstood it. Yeah, on and on and on and on and on. Because offenses take up energy and time, and they sap spirituality. So you get offended... Making sure somebody didn't walk off one of the microphones today because once you give somebody one of them, they take off with it. Didn't give me a microphone today. One of those ushers. I came in today and I know that usher saw me. I know he knows me. He's walked by me a minute and he didn't even speak to me today. And the pastor usually comes in. He speaks to almost everybody in this church. He waves at some of them. And I was looking right at him today. And I know he was looking right at me. And he didn't say a thing. He didn't do a thing like, like I wasn't in here. And not only that, because <laughs> there's always something else. There's always another thing. Always something to add on to it. Some things are so hard to deal with, aren't they? Because they're so simple and so they're so devious. They slip up and attack you so quickly. That, you know, that, now, some of you wonder, why do I keep preaching about this instead of preaching about something else? Why don't I preach about people going out and drinking and getting drunk? 
Why am I preaching about people spending so much on cigars and tobacco? Why am I preaching about because if I cover this and people get over this, it'll take care of about 95% of everything that goes on. Once, just once we get over it and let it go, and it's gone. But, you know, it's hard to turn loose something, especially when we really get a good offense going. When we really get a good offense going. Man, I got this is a good one. Now, I know I'm right on this one. I know they ignored me on this one. I know it wasn't tre- I wasn't treated right on this one. I didn't really plan to talk this much about this, but it must be a good reason for doing it. So now I've really got to get, they asked me to do this, and they never came back and said a word to me about doing it. And now I look over there, and that woman, that I don't think much of her anyways doing it, but I thought they were going to ask me to do. What in the world? Wow, though they think what well, I am. They think she's great, and I'm just chopped liver. What is, what is, what is this? think anything about me. <laughs> and about the time about the time to get over one offense. It's almost finished up and almost wrapped up and almost finished. Next thing you know, before they let that one completely go, another one has popped up. Because there's some people who don't enjoy getting up in the morning and going through the day unless they're offended about something or other. Now, if you want to get offended, get offended with the news people on TV. That's good. Get offended with them. Get, a, get, a, get, get rid of all your offenses by trading it in for your TV. Get mad with all those people telling all those lies on TV. And leave the family of God and the church of Christ alone. Get in here and be victorious and have what you ought to have in your victorious life. Yeah, I, amen. Let's all clap for that. I believe that's good. <laughs> a long time ago, I heard this little parable about the monkey. I've, been, I've heard it in different ways, but the monkey, when they want to trap the monkey, there are places in the world, you know, where they eat monkeys. They don't trap them. So they put a banana in a vessel that has a rather narrow opening at the top. Enough so that an open hand can get down into it. But when the monkey goes down inside that jar and gets hold of that banana, he can't pull his hand back out with that banana. And so there he is, the jar strapped to the ground. He's got the banana in his hand. It won't come out, and he won't let go. He'll stay there and hold on to the banana until the people who put the trap out come and get him. All he has to do is let go of that banana and pull his hand out and get away. It seems simple, doesn't it? But there are a lot of people walking around with a banana in their hand. And the jar around that banana. And they're walking around carrying it around everywhere they go. And you want to know what's with that jar on your hand? Why don't you get rid of that? It looks weird. It looks crazy. Well, it's got a banana in it. And I'm trying to get it out. Well, how long have you been trying? I've been working at it for several months now. It's getting hard to take my clothes off and take a shower. But but it, but 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 I'm not. This is a good banana. Now it may have been when they started. By the time they ever get it out of there, it's rotten anyway. So what have they gained by it? Nothing. I'm just talking about you. I'm 
I'm talking to you about the absurdity of holding on to things when you ought to turn loose. Offenses, gossip, doubt, slander, negativity. You know, there are some people who just like to be negative. And you talk to them about being negative, and they'll say, yeah, but... Uh, Every battery's got two posts. They've got, a bat, they've got a positive and a negative. I'm the other post. Don't tell us we know it. We already know it. We heard you. We heard you. You didn't need to explain it to us. We already knew how negative you are. I'm not talking to anybody here, obviously. So tell your family and neighbors about it. Well, better yet, just tell somebody, you just need to go listen. Go on the the website and listen to that message pastor preached today. Oh, it's such a blessing to me. Tell them all that. And then they go listen and hear these things I'm saying about them. And you'll be off the hook. It'll just be me on the hook. (laughs) And those things, Galatians 5.24, and those who belong to Christ, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's not just the lust of the flesh. That's the desires of the flesh. The desire that brings to offense. The desire that brings to captivating habits. The desire that causes you to go on the internet for the wrong reason. The desire that takes you to out and spend your money in the wrong place and for the wrong cause. The desire that causes you to want to move in the wrong direction, which is a direction away from God, whether that's in the right direction, which will take you to God. That's the desire that has to be crucified when one is walking with Christ Jesus. That's why Paul said, God forbid that I should glory. He was talking about crucifixion, but he was also talking about circumcision. And he's talking about all the other things that are encompassed in that. When he said to the Galatians, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom I am crucified unto the world, and the world unto me. What I'm preaching to you today is really the same thing with a different title and different scriptures and perhaps a a little bit of variety of thought that I've been preaching to you already, which is drawing closer to God. The life and the path of righteousness, of holiness, of truth, is the path that will bring us to the presence of God, to the power of God, to the victory of God every day. It is a direction which, when we go in this direction, will never bring us to the wrong destination. It will always bring us to the right place, that place where we want to be in the presence of God and in the power of God. And in that, God will bless us and bless us with victory in our lives. Hallelujah. I believe that. Do you? Amen. Amen.